0: hear and we receive and we hold on to to god's word in our scripture our scripture for this morning is luke chapter 7 verses 36 through 50 let's give our attention to the reading of god's holy word one of the pharisees asked jesus to have dinner with him so jesus went to his home and sat down to eat When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man? That goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord, as we hear your word and as we gather to receive your grace. Lord, would you soften our hearts. Would you speak to us. Would you open us up to your truth and your grace and your forgiveness today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the, the serious subject of forgiveness, of grace, of, of what does that look like and mean. And I know when I talk about forgiveness as a pastor, often there is something that very personal that instantly enters our heart and our mind. And and so I thought I would start a little bit differently today. I have a few forgiveness jokes for you all, if you all are okay with that, um, just to sort of soften the room up a little bit, all right? So one time there was a pastor and he was talking about grace and forgiveness, about how we are called to love everybody, our neighbors and even our enemies. The congregation was full of the Holy Spirit and the pastor asked them, will you go out into the world and love your enemies? Every hand in the congregation except one went up. It obviously wasn't a Methodist church, all right? There was one lady sitting on the front row, an older woman, and he asked the woman, why can't you love your enemies? The little old lady said, Pastor, I can honestly say I have no enemies. The pastor said, that's incredible. May I ask how old you are? She said, I'm 96 years old. 96 and no enemies? That's incredible. Would you mind coming up here to the front to share how you achieved this? Little old lady comes up to the front, turns around to the congregation and says, I outlived all those snakes. (laughs) One day in Sunday school, the teacher asked little Mary, Mary, what do we have to do before we ask the Lord for forgiveness? Mary said confidently, Sin? One person reflects on things they, they've learned. When, uh, says, "When I was little, I used to pray to God that I would get a bicycle." Then, as I grew older, I learned in Sunday school that's not how prayer works at all. So I stole a bike and then asked for forgiveness. There was this guy named David who had a parrot. Now, this wasn't any parrot. It was a parrot with a bad attitude and a worse mouth. It would say words we're not supposed to say in church and was rude all the time. David did what he could do to to change the behavior and the words that the parrot was using. He would talk nicely to the parrots. He would play soft, soothing music, but nothing worked. And so he would yell at the bird, but that didn't seem to help either. One time he even shook the bird, but the bird just got madder and said even more things. So finally, in a moment of desperation, David took the bird and threw the parrot into the freezer. At the beginning, the the parrot was squawking and making all sorts of, of noise and hollering. And then suddenly, everything was quiet. David was worried that he had hurt the bird or even killed the bird. And so he quickly opened the freezer door. And the parrot came out and sat on his arm and looked at him and said, I'm sorry that I've offended you with the words I've said and with my attitude. I ask for your forgiveness. I will do better in the future. David was astounded at the bird's sudden change in attitude and was about to ask what had happened when the parrot asked, may I ask what happened to the chicken? (laughs) When we think about forgiveness, it can be a heavy thing. And so as we As 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 we enter here, there may be some of you who are at not ready to forgive someone for something that has happened to you. I'm be using a book throughout this sermon called the Book of Forgiving, Forgiving. and it's uh, written by Desmond Tutu, who was part of South Africa in their time of history of forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, It's a powerful book. Uh, I recommend it to you. But in there, he has some prayers. And I want to offer this as maybe a prayer for for some of us that are here watching this or some of us here in the room, the prayer before the prayer of forgiveness. I want to be willing to forgive, but I dare not ask for the will to forgive in case you give it to me. And I am not yet ready. I am not yet ready for my heart to soften. I am not yet ready to be vulnerable again not yet ready to see that there is humanity in my tormentor's eyes, or that the one who hurt me may also have cried. I am not yet ready for that journey. I am not yet interested in the path. I am at the prayer before the prayer of forgiveness. Grant me the will to want to forgive. Grant it to me, not yet, but soon. And there may be some of us who are there today. And that's what we can do. And so I pray that this sermon would prepare you for that prayer of forgiveness. But there are some that are here that we are ready to forgive somebody. And we are ready to take that step of forgiveness. And so for those of you who are in the room, I pray these words for us. I will forgive you. The words are so small, but there is a universe hidden in them. When I forgive you, all these chords of resentment pain, and sadness that has wrapped themselves around my heart will be gone. When I forgive you, you will no longer define me. You measured me and assessed me and decided you could hurt me. I didn't count, but I will forgive you because I do count. I do matter. I am bigger than the image you have of me. I am stronger. I am more beautiful. And I am infinitely more precious than you thought me. I will forgive you. My forgiveness is not just a gift that I'm giving to you. When I forgive you, my forgiveness will also be a gift that gives itself to me. And so maybe there are some of us who are ready for that prayer today to forgive and to take that journey and that step of vulnerability. Now, this past fall, we did a congregational church survey. One of the things that I asked there was, what would you like, uh, what is important for for you to hear sermons about? And the thing that rose to the top, more than anything else, was forgiveness. Now, as I I thought about that, I, I, I thought, you know, last year, about a year ago, I preached two months on forgiveness. And so I thought, either you really loved that and wanted me to keep talking about it, you forgot about all that, And needed a good reminder. Or that forgiveness is just that important. That it's one of those things that we need to address and we need to talk about regularly. And so when I preached the sermon sermon series a year ago, it was really about this process of grace. That it's grace in and grace out. That we receive God's grace. That we receive God's forgiveness. We let it dwell inside of us, but we also have to let it flow out of us. That it's grace in and grace out. We receive forgiveness and we share forgiveness. But I, I think that so many of us, are, our lives are like these clogged pipes that are filled with junk and gunk that has collected over the years. And so just like your, your, your sinks in your, in your house may be full of stuff that's accumulated, so too can our hearts be. And we need to clear out those things, the bitterness and the anger, the sadness and the grief, so that God's grace and forgiveness can flow through in us and through us. Because I think that what this, one of the things that this scripture teaches us is that love and forgiveness go hand in hand. And that if you want to love and be a person of love, you have to be a person who's been marked by forgiveness. Matthew seven forty seven in our text says it this way. I tell you, her sins... And they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But as a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. And I think that what this scripture tells us is that your ability to love is directly tied to your ability to forgive. And to be forgiven. That if you know you've been forgiven a great deal, then you can love a great deal. If you forgive other people a great deal, then you can receive great love. That these two things, love and forgiveness, are tied hand in hand. In fact, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, part of what we pray is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And so we receive and we give. Forgiveness and love are tied together. Now, today's sermon is gonna be a a little bit different than what I typically do. I'm calling it a choose-your-own-adventure sermon um, because forgiveness truly is that. It is an adventure and it is a journey. And so for some of you, um, this sermon is really gonna be about somebody that you need to forgive. It's gonna be about another person. And so I want you to think about it very specifically, what is a person and what is an action that you need to forgive? But for others of you, The person that you need to forgive is actually yourself. And that that is the person and the actions, the things you've done. You may be a forgiving person to everybody else but yourself. And so I want you to think about it in the context of forgiving yourself. The steps and the process is actually pretty similar. Now, there was one time I was talking with, uh, you know, we all have people that, that we can listen to truth from, and we take some offense, but we actually trust them when they give us uh, that, those words. Um, I, I hope we have people that can speak truth to us. And so one time I was talking to a gentleman, and he was one of those people who has permission to speak into my life. And I was telling him about how I was mad at somebody for a particular circumstance and situation. And I was thinking that he would say, Aaron, you're right to be mad. I'm, I'm sorry that happened. You need to forgive that person, and you need to move on. But that's not what he told me at all so I tell him I'm mad at this person and I'm telling him some of the stuff that happened and and he said Aaron you're not mad at them you're mad at yourself my instant reaction was no I'm not I'm mad at them but I trusted him enough to hear truth and he said Aaron you're you're mad at yourself because of, of, of the things that you did that contributed to this situation and that, and that you have to forgive yourself and address yourself. And that sometimes you and I, we project our anger outward because we don't want to project it inward. And so maybe the person you need to forgive is yourself today. That you've held yourself to a standard of divinity when you are human. And you are the result and the product of who you are. Now there may be some of you who are sitting there who say, Aaron, I get it. You know, I know that I'm supposed to forgive myself. But Aaron, if you knew my story, if you knew what I did, if you knew what I thought, if you knew what I say, then, then you, you would agree with me that I, I am not worthy of forgiveness, that I'm not good enough. I am a wretch. I'm not worthy. Now, one of the things that I love about the Bible is that the Bible is full of people who are in desperate need of forgiveness. This is not the story that is filled with the all-stars, the people who didn't ever make mistakes, the people who had their lives all together, and who lived the perfect lives. In fact, it's full of rotten scoundrels who have done terrible, horrible things. The heroes of our faith have been giant failures at different points in times in their lives. The difference in their story is not what they've done, but what God has done to redeem their story. I mean, if we look at the Scripture and the history of the Bible, we think about Moses being this great leader who God used to set the people free. But before he did any of that, he actually killed an Egyptian, and that began his story. We think about David. Now, King David, he was the one that took down Goliath. He's called in Scripture as the man after God's own heart, but he committed adultery had this person's husband then killed and then did everything he could to cover it up not exactly time magazine's person of the year but God redeemed his story and he became the ki- he was king who the line that Jesus eventually came out of was there we think about the apostle peter Peter, this great disciple, the, the rock on whom the church was built. But in the time in which Jesus needed a friend more than any other time, when people asked him as Jesus was being arrested, aren't you one of this man's disciples? Peter said, no, no, no. I don't know the man. And when all he had to do was to stand up and say, I needed, I know him. He denied him and betrayed him. But yet Jesus met him. And said, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And restored and forgave him. Most of the New Testament is written by a gentleman by the name of Paul. Now we meet him in the book of Acts as Saul. And he is a persecutor of Christians. In fact, when there is the first Christian martyr, a gentleman by the name of Stephen, it makes sure in our scriptures to point out that, Paul, that Saul was there basically approving everything that happened. He had conspiracy to commit murder, at the very least, and he would go out actively persecuting Christians. But God met him. Jesus appeared to him and transformed his heart. And what we see is that Paul called himself the chief of sinners. And he thought that if God could redeem him who actively attacked God and God's people, that God could forgive and redeem anyone. And this woman that we find in our story, verse 37, it calls her a certain immoral woman. In chapter 39, in verse 39, it says, what kind of woman is touching him? She's a sinner. And even Jesus himself says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. I don't know about you, but this isn't exactly how I would like to be described in the Word. But I think it goes to show us that no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what somebody has done, no matter what somebody has done, they are not beyond forgiveness. You, they are not beyond grace and forgiveness. In fact, it is God's will to forgive. This is what he wants to do. The Lord is gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love. That's from the Old Testament. Sometimes we don't think that the Old Testament God is forgiving, but that's what it says about who God is, is that he is a forgiving God. It is who he is. It is what he does. And so no matter what you've done, no matter what anybody has done, they are not beyond the grace and the forgiveness of God. What should separate us from the love of God? Nothing His will is to forgive, he will forgive, he does forgive. And what we believe is that if God can forgive us, then God can empower you to forgive, to become people of forgiveness, that we are marked by our ability to forgive. And in fact, in order to heal our wounds, we have to forgive our wounds. In order to heal it, you have to forgive it. And part of that journey is to feel it. You know, this is not something that you and I like to do. We don't like to go back into our stories and to experience the pain again. But in order for us to experience forgiveness, we have to be able to remember these painful moments of our lives without reliving them. If we, remember, if we relive it, that's PTSD, that we're reliving it all over again. But we are called to be able to remember these events, and to re—but not to relive them—and that there is a pathway and a journey that we go on, and so we have choices of what to do. Now, as as I as I stand here and I, I think about, okay, I want to forgive, but it's hard, and it's hard for me. It's hard for us. It's hard for us as we go through this journey because you, we have been deeply wounded. People have hurt us. We have hurt ourselves. Now, here's one of the things that I believe is that most people's actions are not evil, but they're about surviving. You know, what, what's interesting is what Jesus said to, on the cross about the people who were crucifying him is he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, often you and I, we, we attribute all sorts of motives to people. And, and, and sometimes we're Right. But oftentimes, I don't think people know, including ourselves, we don't always know what we are doing or even why we are doing it. But the truth is, is that we are products of the systems and the environments that we have been in. I mean, think about it. I don't think those Roman soldiers had any idea that they were crucifying the God of the universe. I think they were doing exactly what they had been trained to do. Which was, this is an enemy that must be killed. And we will kill him in the most gruesome and public way possible so that we can protect Rome because that's your job. And oftentimes people do what they are trained to do. And and we are are produce of the environment we grew up on. And I know this because um, there are people who tell me, I walk like my mom. Now, I didn't realize this because I was just walking. But there was, when I was playing uh, football in high school, we went to Ponca City. And my mom worked in Ponca City and had some friends. And so they came to watch the football game. And they didn't know what number I was, but they knew who I was because they saw how I was walking. Isn't that weird? Uh, uh, Tiger Woods, great golfer, has a son named Charlie. Charlie. And together they, they played in these golf tournaments, father-son golf tournaments. And they put together these, these films of, of Charlie Woods and, and Tiger Woods playing golf. And it was amazing because Charlie would pick up a tee exactly like Tiger Woods. He would twirl the golf clubs exactly like Tiger Woods. He'd even scratch his nose exactly like his dad would. It wasn't an explicit thing this is the appropriate way to scratch your nose son it's just what you learn because of the environment that you're in and so many of us we've chosen to survive based on what we've done and so I I think through you know why is it that we do what we do and it's not because we're evil though I do think the devil whispers and yells but it's because we're human and we want to survive And we've learned in our environment, sometimes we we act out of fear because we feel out of control. And because we feel out of control, what do we do? We try to regain control. So what do we do? We yell. And that helps us to regain control. Do I need forgiveness because I'm the kind of person who when I feel out of control, I choose to yell? Do I even realize that I'm the kind of person who chooses to yell? Do I have control over it? There's a song by Adele. I don't normally quote Adele, but today's a weird day, so we'll just live in it. Go easy on me. Go easy on me, baby. I was still a child. Didn't get the chance to feel the world around me. I had no time to choose what I chose to do, so go easy on me. And maybe as we think about forgiveness, we need to remember that we are human and so are other people. And that people are trying to survive. And as we live, sometimes trying to survive, we end up hurting other people. You know, one of the things that my sponsor has told me is he said that our problems, what we typically think of our problems are not really our, our problems. They are our solutions to our problems. So I I don't really have a problem with alcohol. I'm using alcohol as a solution to my problem of feeling worthless, of feeling empty, of hurting. And so we have to address the root issues, not just the symptoms that so often we think about sin are. And that there's all these systems of brokenness. And so what often happens is that we get caught up in the system of revenge and of anger and of pain. And so in this book of the book of forgiving, there's this chart that's in here that talks about the revenge cycle and the forgiveness cycle. And so often we live in the revenge cycle, and this is actually part of why we need to go easy on each other, because this is what the world trains us to do, that we experience hurt, harm, or loss, and so that causes us pain. And so what happens when we choose when we feel pain is that we choose to harm other people. You've heard it before, hurt people hurt people. And so what happens is when we choose to harm, we reject our shared humanity. And so we choose payback, we choose revenge, we choose retaliation, which means there's more violence and cruelty, right? Have you ever been in an argument with somebody and you said something you didn't mean? Yeah, you have. That's it. We chose cruelty, And so what happens is there's more hurt, harm, and loss. And so the pain builds and the pain builds and the pain builds. If you hurt me, I have to hurt you back. But the forgiveness cycle is a different story. And it's a different pathway. And it takes us out of this cycle and into a story of goodness and love. And so what I want to invite you to is to receive this forgiveness cycle. Now, there are some of you who have, the deeper the pain, the longer it's gone on, the more likely it is that you need to walk through this forgiveness with somebody who has been trained to help you process these emotions, particularly a counselor. And so if you, if you need a counselor, um, I'll be glad to, to recommend somebody to you. Um, we have a partnership with Amanda Bailey to, that we can help uh, as a counselor here in this church. We have other people that we can help you with. The deeper the wound, the longer, the, lo- the longer it's been going on, the more likely it is that you need counseling. Now, here's the other thing that I would say. As a pastor, 99% of the time, pride is our biggest sin it's our unwillingness to ask for help here that causes us to do something we regret here and if we would have asked for help here it would have prevented us from doing this but we are stubborn people and we think i can fix it i can make it well i'm supposed to be strong enough i'm not supposed to feel this way we're unwilling to ask for help here and so we get in trouble here And so there are some of us who are living out of the brokenness because we haven't asked for help, but it's not too late. And maybe today is the day in which we ask for help from God, from our community, from a professional. So what is the forgiveness cycle? The first thing that we have to do is we have to tell the story. This does not sound fun, does it? But but in order for us to receive healing, we have to go back into the story. And we have to tell what it is that happened to us and why we experience that pain. Again, whether that be something that somebody did to us and we want to kind of stay to the facts, this is what happened, this is what happened. Or if it's what we've done and how we've hurt ourselves and how we hurt people that we loved and and the effects that that have, we need to tell the story. We are people who like to avoid pain. We are people who don't want to go back and relive these moments, but we have to go back and remember them so God can redeem them, is that we have to let our messes become our message, but that only happens if we tell the story. When I was in elementary school, one of the events that happened in my life that marked me was that there was a tragedy in the church community that we were at. And so there was a, a family that was involved in a car wreck, and three of the, the family's four kids were killed by a drunk driver. One of them was, was my age, and it was the, one of the first funerals I ever remember. Um, their father um, also passed away, and so I won't forget the four coffins that were up there. The mom's name was a lady named Brenda. Her Son Shane survived. She also she was she had been she was remarried at the time. I don't know what you do when you lose three of your four kids. I don't know how you um, recover from that. Um, Random. Her uh, she was a big Dallas Cowboy fan and Nebraska Cornhusker fan. They ended up having some more kids, um, and so they named one kid Landry after Tom Landry. Named another kid Osborne after Tom Osborne, the coach of Nebraska. And I just wondered, why didn't you name your kid Tom? But um, it was Landry Osborne, so that's how that worked. So um, Brenda would go around to churches and go around to community organizations as a part of MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And she'd tell the story again and again about what happened to her, about what happened to their family, because somebody made a decision to drink too much and get on the road. And as she told the story, each time it got a little bit easier. It never disappeared. She would still cry. She would still feel emotional. But how did she heal? She shared. So often we hold inside. And that pain and that bitterness and that anger stays right there. And the truth is, the more you try to avoid it, the more it plays itself out in your life. And you may not realize how bitter you are. You may not realize how angry you are, but the people around you feel it, and they know it. And so she would tell the story, and she was not a bitter or angry person. She allowed her mess to become her message. Now part of telling the story is the next step of the cycle is naming the hurt. Again, we live in a world that says, "Just suck it up, buttercup. Get better. Pull yourself by your own bootstrap. It's, you're not supposed to feel this way. That's not the gospel. That's the world. That doesn't like pain and sorrow and suffering. It doesn't like to grieve. And, and one of the things that I see from a big picture standpoint is, is part of the effect of COVID that's happened to us is that we missed out on a lot of stuff. We lost a lot and we've refused to grieve it because we've been so ready to get to what's next that we haven't grieved what we've lost collectively or individually. And I was talking to another pastor friend, and I was saying, I wish we could just grieve what all we've lost, our gatherings, our celebrations, all these things, so that we could acknowledge that we miss it and that it hurts. But we're not going to do that, because we're going to move on. But maybe you and I can do that, to name and grieve and to name the hurt that we've experienced, not just with COVID, but with life. Now, as as I was studying for this, I came across this quote about emotions, and it says, emotions are messages from our bodies letting us know our needs and desires. If we can name these emotions and let ourselves move through them, we can have control over the pain instead of letting the emotions control our behaviors. Let me say that again. If we can name these emotions, I'm sad because I miss this loved one. I'm angry because they didn't take care of themselves. I am mad at myself because I let this happen. If we can name these emotions and let ourselves move through them, not around them, move through them, we can have control over the pain instead of letting the emotions control our behaviors. And then I love this person's definitions of emotions. Emotions are temporary, valid, and real, and not necessarily factual. One of the things uh, my counselor told me at the very beginning when I started meeting with him is he said, Aaron, I want you to count the number of times you think I'm not supposed to feel this way. And it's okay to feel what you feel. Again, they're temporary, they're valid, and they're real, and they're not always factual. But we need to name our emotions of what we're feeling and try to address it. Most of the time when I meet with people in my office and we're talking about something, I eventually ask the question, what are you afraid of? And I think so many of us are afraid of what we're going to lose. And we're we're not always open to our own emotions. And we need to name the hurt. What did we lose? What did we experience? What do we feel? Now, the third step is to grant forgiveness. There is great power in saying it or writing it or expressing it. Saying, I choose to forgive you. And and this is the idea of a decisional forgiveness where we choose to make a decision to stop the the cycle that we saw earlier and instead choose a new cycle of forgiveness. And so we need to say the words or write the words. I forgive X, and maybe I forgive myself, and maybe I forgive this person. We need to say, it. sometimes it's safe to say to that person, other times that's not safe to say. But we have to make the decision to forgive. And then once we make that first decision, we have to realize we have to make that decision again and again, that we have to experience emotional forgiveness. I wish it was just as easy as saying, oh, I forgive you, and then my heart does. But our hearts are slow learners. And so sometimes we have to make that decision again and again. And so we, we, we see something, we hear something, we feel something, and those emotions rise up, and we have to choose it all over again to grant forgiveness. I forgive you. And Jesus has given us authority in his name to forgive sins. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive myself. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive this person. And God will grant us the grace to forgive because that's who he is and that's what he does. Now, the fourth step is to renew or to release the relationship. Again, there are times in which we choose reconciliation and we can move forward together. There are other times in which we release the relationship. It's not healthy, it's not safe, it's not right. And so we need to go our separate ways. Now, um, we can choose to forgive even if that person isn't around. There are sometimes there are people who are dead who we need to forgive. There are sometimes people who will never acknowledge what they've done to hurt us. They will never admit that they're wrong, but we can still choose to forgive them. And we can set our hearts free instead of living in brokenness and bitterness. And we can release the relationship and to take this journey. And that's really what it is. It's an adventure. It's a journey because it's not easy to do. And we want to avoid it because we want to avoid pain. And we want to avoid it because we don't want to be hurt in the same way again We want to avoid it because it means we have to ask for help from God and often from another person. Because most of this you cannot do alone. You need to find somebody that you can talk to and say, I am working on forgiving myself. I'm working on forgiving this other person and to walk through this road. And if somebody comes to you with that stuff, you and I are going to be tempted to try to solve it for them, fix it for them. Don't do that. Just let them be. Tell me how you feel. What are you afraid of? What does that make you think about? What is God asking you to do? What is God prompting you to do? It's okay to feel that way. I'd be angry too. And just let us walk this road step by step, day by day. What's love got to do with grace? Everything. Because God so loved us that he sent his only son into the world not to to condemn sin, but to forgive us and to renew us and to help us to move forward. And so I pray that your deepest hurt becomes your most profound story and you can trust that God is good and that he's forgiven you and because he's forgiven you you can forgive yourself don't have such pride that you think that what you think matters more than God have some humility that if God thinks you're worthy of forgiveness that you are too and so too every person you meet Mr. Rogers once said there isn't a person you couldn't learn to love if you didn't know their story every person you meet is made in the image of God and God dearly loves them And God dearly wants them to experience forgiveness. Let's be those people. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.